but it's time to go back to school. And I've been seeing all of your pictures and back-to-school outfits and these little, I mean, we didn't have this stuff when I was growing up, but like these little signs saying, you know, I'm in this grade and we're going off to this school and that school and teachers are getting their, their rooms ready. Uh, since my wife is a teacher, it's a busy time of the year. Um, ate out a lot this last week, right? And, uh, but it's just, there's a, lot, there's a lot that's going on. And it got me thinking about that this morning, about some lessons that we can learn from this time of year. Uh, whether you have a child or a grandchild or maybe you yourself are going back to school. And and that's where I want us to think about for just a few moments, for just a few moments this morning. Probably the very first thing that I thought about when I thought about school was going back to basics. Uh, Whether you're going into kindergarten or or you're making your way through high school or maybe you're going off to college, uh, there are these foundational things that you have to know. And you may not know why you have to know them, but you have to know these things. Uh, if you've ever had this conversation with your kids or with any young people of, I don't know why we have to have, and they fill in the blank about this class or that class. Uh, or, or maybe it's like, well, when are we, Thomas, you're a math teacher, right? When are we ever going to use this in the real world? And quite honestly, I never used calculus, uh, but I have used algebra. So, so th- those, are th- th- those are those things that, that we, we think about. And, and that's the very first thing that came into my mind when I thought about going back to school this morning was that not just in regards to our academics, but when it comes to our understanding of the Word of God, that there's a real need at times for us to have a mastery of the basics. We must know the fundamentals. So often people will come and they'll say, okay, so, so what, what do you want to study next? And people are always telling me that, I want us to study the book of Revelation. But the people who are always telling me that they want to study the book of Revelation, 90% of the time, they don't understand the book of Acts. So, so there's going to be a problem there. Uh, and we have had and we will have book classes on the book of Revelation, but I'm telling you, before you understand Revelation, you've got to go back to the Gospels. You've got to understand the book of Acts and, and the epistles that are there. Uh, you, you need to spend some time actually learning the books. Our children's Bible class program is so wonderful and so important uh, as they come and they begin to understand what are the books of the Bible? What are those books about? To understand the, those, those basic things about the Word of God. Those things that may seem like this huge deal for our young people, listen, they'll be foundational things. They'll be foundational things that you just assume those things. As we grow on into maturity, you remember in Hebrews chapter five, uh, where, where where the Hebrew writer is, he's trying to have this conversation with them about this guy named Melchizedek, and it's it's a pretty complicated situation. Uh, you don't know much about Melchizedek because it's so it's so complicated, but but he says he says I want to I want to talk to you about these things, but the truth is I'm really struggling to talk to you about these things because you just don't have the, the vocabulary. You don't have the understanding. You don't have the maturity that you need. He says, and it's not that you shouldn't have. It's not that these things are too hard to understand. The truth is, he says there in verse 12, by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. We need to be a people that are committed to knowing the fundamentals. 
to having those things that will form a baseline in our thought and our understanding. Because if we don't, then we'll never be able to master the deeper things of God's Word. Thomas, can you imagine somebody coming into your calculus class that didn't know, that, 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 that didn't know basic algebra? Would they struggle? Yeah, they would struggle because, it, because the fundamentals that aren't, aren't there. Can, can you imagine going into an algebra class if you don't know basic math? Shelly, she teaches uh, ELA, and, and one of the things trying to teach them how to, how to write a paper, right? Well, you, if you can't put a sentence together, you're going to struggle putting a paper together. There are these fundamental things, and he says, not about math and not about English, about your understanding of God and your understanding of God's Word. There are some things you need to go back and master so that they're just understood. That's just something that you know. He goes on to, 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 list, to list some of those things uh, down in chapter 6. He talks about instructions about washings, laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. He, he describes those things as being elementary things. The, the, the idea of, of what, what, what the New Testament says about immersion being for the remission of sins, that's not complicated. It ought to be an elementary thing. It ought to be something we can assume. The, the idea of, of repentance, the, the idea that, that, that we come with our sin before God, to rep- that, that's elementary. The idea of eternal judgment that one day we'll stand before the Lord and, and we'll be judged before Him. I know there are complicated things in regards to all of those, but in and of themselves, that's not hard to understand. That ought to be a baseline for us, for us to work from. He says, you, you, you really ought to have grown. God has an expectation. God has an expectation that we're going to know certain things. Now, now the, 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 this idea, this idea of, of being a babe in Christ, there's nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ. Everybody has been a babe in Christ. But he's saying there's something wrong if we stay a babe in Christ. There's something wrong if we stay as an infant. In as, in as much as if I saw a grown man that, that had a baby bottle, I mean, I would say, there's something wrong with that. You know, get that, get that man a piece of meat. That's what he's saying about the church. Why are you over there using a baby bottle? Get that man a piece of meat. We must grow. We must know the fundamentals. You remember several years ago? And by several years ago, all my several years ago were getting a lot longer ago. So this is probably like 25 years ago, but you remember when it was when it was really popular? We wore the little bracelets, the WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Maybe people still wear those. I don't know. I haven't seen them in a while. But it's 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 a great concept. But can I tell you that one of the problems with, with the concept of what would Jesus do is is that a lot of times people talk about what would Jesus do, but I don't think they really know what Jesus would do. We have an idea about what we think, but, but we haven't really delved into God's Word. So many times people have this idea of Jesus as this, you know, people have this idea that Jesus is this incredibly, this incredibly soft man who never stood against sin. And, you know, just, just because he just loves us too much to ever, to ever say that we ought to change. By the same token, there are other people who have this idea of Jesus that every time they picture what Jesus would do, they've got him there in the temple with a whip. I mean, just about to crack it on, on, on everybody who's, who's just filled with his righteous indignation and put these people in their place. 
What would Jesus do? So many times we just don't know. What would Jesus do if, if someone came to him and he knew that they were trying to manipulate the law in order to condemn someone else? That's a good time to ask that, isn't it? You ever seen someone try to use the, 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 the sword of the Spirit as a billy club on someone's life? And if you're a spiritual leader, they're going to come to you and they're going to try to manipulate. What would Jesus do? Jesus wouldn't allow it. Jesus wouldn't even condemn that woman who was brought to him clearly guilty. But he says, he says to those people, I'm not going to play your games. What would Jesus do if someone were acting or accusing you unjustly? How did Jesus respond to those things? It wasn't that he was scared of the truth, but what did Jesus do? Whenever people would say things about him that were unkind or unfair or maybe even completely lies. See, those are those moments where do you really know who Jesus is? These are fundamental things. These are foundational things. What would you do if someone came to you and, and they were talking to you and they brought a truckload of baggage? Well, I mean, what did Jesus do in those situations? These are those fundamental things. I'm excited that our young people are learning, are learning the fundamentals. And you can learn the fundamentals in elementary school and junior high and high school. You even, you even have prerequisites whenever you get into college, right? But those things you're learning for a purpose, to grow, to understand that there are depths to be explored. There are depths to be explored. That's what, that's what the Hebrew writer is saying to these, to these Christians he says, I'm disappointed that, that you need milk and not solid food, but, but what I really want to see, he continues in the next chapter, is, is that you leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ and let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. I'm convinced that we waste a lot of time having to, having to go over and deal with elementary principles over and over and over again. You think that's true? I, I, think, I think it's a real drag upon, it's what he's saying here. You ought to be able to assume some of those things. If, if you have to come into, into, every, into every class teaching someone, Thomas, that 2 plus 2 equals 4, right? You're going to have a hard time getting, getting to the deep stuff, teaching them how to build a bridge, right? If, if, if Shelly's got to teach someone the alphabet, she's going to have a hard time getting them to writing an essay. It's not that those things aren't important, but sometimes in the church, we spend so much time because we have to. And every teacher knows you've been in that situation. Well, okay, we're going to have to slow this down and go back because you obviously don't know what you ought to know. But can you imagine if we didn't have to talk about some of the elementary things of Christ? I mean... I, there are a lot of things that, that are just a struggle that we have to go back over and over again to think about. We need to grow so that that's not the case. Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles, the discussion of the washing, about washing. He's talking about baptism there. I mean, is it, how much time do we spend having to talk about what the New Testament says about baptism? It's really clear what it says, but yet, because there are so many false ideas, we have to go back over and over and talk about those things. Even he goes on to talk about, uh, to, he goes on to talk about the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. 
How, how many sermons have to be preached? How many Bible classes have to be taught? Because there are people who still don't, do not understand that there is an eternal heaven and an eternal hell. He says those are elementary things. If we didn't have to go back and replow that field, think of the depths that we could go to. Think of the depths that we could go to. We leave the discussion of the elementary principles to go on unto perfection. You, you want to have an understanding of apocalyptic literature in the Bible? You, you, want, you want to go and you want to, you want to have a real understanding of, of Revelation and of Daniel and the, the wonderful things. You, you, you want to have an in-depth study of the Holy Spirit? You, you, want, to, you want to talk about the, the, the nature of God and how God works in the world and, and the connection that God has and Jesus has to everything that we read in the Bible? Th- th- those are the deeper things. M- maybe you have a list in your own mind and you say, I'd like to go deep. Wonderful. God wants us to go deep. He wants us to have that maturity. Let's do the things that we need to do in order to get there. Let's do the things that we need to do in order to get there. If if that means we have to go back and learn the elementary principles, let's get to learning. Let's get to learning. I was thinking about my my great-grandpa who couldn't... I I don't... He couldn't write. I know he couldn't write. Because I remember I was a boy, and uh, there was a piece of paper, and somebody said something about him making his mark. You guys remember when people used to make their mark? I mean, that's going back in my head quite a ways, but I thought, you mean he, he, he can't, like, write his name? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. I thought everybody could write that he couldn't. He never learned that. But yet, but yet that growth that took place for to now, it's like, well, of course, of course you can do that. Of course anyone, you just go to school and you learn how to do those things. That's a blessing that we have. It's a blessing that we have to be able to be here, to be able to be in our Bible classes. Not just to do something, not just to make, but, but to learn, to grow in our faith. What's Hebrews 10, 17 tell us? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Don't think your faith's going to grow if you're not spending more time in this book. If you're not exposing yourself to the Word of God, you can want it to grow all day long. It won't grow. The Bible tells us where faith comes from. There are depths to be explored, and we we ought to be excited about that, and we have to be challenging ourselves in those things. You might make a list on on a piece of paper in front of you now. What are those elementary things? Are there some elementary things that you don't have the mastery of that you ought to have the mastery of? Write them down. And set out, set out to master those things. I've been, I've been telling a, a story uh, from, from my formative years, which is, I've, I've told it more and more, so I'm getting less and less embarrassed about it, but it's still a little bit embarrassing, but I'm going to share it with you. I, I remember um, I was actually a, a student, I was a preaching student, and I had a job interview for an internship. And I remember that I went into this interview with this guy, and he asked me about God's plan of salvation. He wanted me to tell him what God's plan of salvation was and give him, and give him one verse that went with each one. Have I told you all this story? No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, I was sitting there. I still remember where I was, and I thought, okay, that's a good question. And I started to answer that question. Guys, I, I, I totally butchered it. I, t- I, I, quoted, I quoted Acts 2.38 and said it was Mark 16.16. 16. And I quoted Mark 16, 16, and I said it was Acts 20. I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. There were some elementary things that I did not have mastered. I, I'm going to tell you, I walked out of that interview, I felt about that high, right? 
And I didn't like, I didn't want anybody to know I was that, but I was like, oh, I mean, you, I mean, this is, that's not going to happen again. That's not going to happen again. I, I'm not going to walk out ashamed, you know, I, when the teacher asks them, I'm going to look at the floor, hope they don't call, I'm not doing that again. Now, I could just say, well, I could just never talk again. I could never engage again. That's, that's the route that some people go, or I could say, I'm actually going to learn these things. What are the depths? Not just of the elementary things. What are the things of the depths of God's Word that you say, I just, I just don't know about that. I remember when I was a senior in, in, in college, and we had a seminar class, and I, I actually chose, I actually chose to, to, to talk about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I was just setting myself up for some, pretty, for some pretty long nights of studying and trying to better understand. But you put in the work, and now it's not something that intimidates me. I don't mind talking about the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible talks a lot about God's Holy Spirit. What's on your list? And whatever it is, set yourself out to find, to find the things that, that, that you need to know. You know, when the kids go back to school, there's this reality that there will be tests. Wouldn't school be great if you didn't have tests? Grady, wouldn't it be great if they just did away with all tests? Wouldn't that be great? You know what would happen, Grady, if, they, if your teacher said no tests? You know what you'd do? You would not study at all. Is that true? Your mama knows that's true. No, I'm not just picking on you. I mean, that's the truth of everybody, right? If there were no tests, nobody would. You need those tests to hold you accountable, to, to push you in those things. James 1, verses 2 and 3 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. There's this theme throughout the Bible that those tests are actually good, not just just to keep us in check, but that they're actually good for us. They're good for us. A test is not only a check, it's not only something to, to, to put you in line, it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity to show how you've grown it's an opportunity to, to demonstrate, to challenge, to, to learn. Listen, there are going to be tests when the kids go back to school, but they're going to be tests all throughout our whole life. Maybe some of you are finding yourself in the midst of a test or a trial or an obstacle at this very moment, and it, it's no fun. Let me just assure you, I didn't take any tests in school that I thought were fun. Right? I didn't go, thank you for that test. I, I, never, I never did that. Had a few other words probably along the way. It's like, yeah, this isn't this is not. But, but yet those things push you. You remember in John chapter six. I, I love I love this text in John chapter six where the thousands of people are coming to Jesus to be fed, and and the Bible says in verses five and six of John six, Jesus lifted up his eyes and he saw the great multitude coming towards him, and he said to Philip. Where shall, be, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Well, how are we going to feed all these people? Thousands of people that are coming here. That's no small thing. This he said to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew how he was going to feed those people. He wasn't looking around saying, oh, man, Philip, I don't know what in the world. How are we going to feed all these people, Philip? You've got to help me. That's not what he was doing. But there was this opportunity. There was this opportunity for Philip to walk by faith, to show how he had grown in his faith. He failed the test, by the way, okay? But but I picture this of Jesus saying this. You, you You ever set people up for success? Teachers, you ever do that? 
Like you're throwing them a softball just because I want them to hit it. I want them to hit it so bad. And in my mind, I, I, I picture Jesus asking this question, and in the back of his mind, he's saying, okay, Philip, here's the time. Here's the time for you to stand up and say, Lord, I don't know how to feed all these people, but you're the Son of God. I've seen you, I've seen you turn water into wine. I've seen you feed thousands of people already. You, you created the world just by saying the word. I don't know, God, but you are. You are the Holy One. You can handle this. Maybe, maybe you'll just make a, make a Chick-fil-A appear on every corner, even open on Sundays. Jesus could do that, couldn't he? It's not what Philip said, right? He struggled. Do you think, do you think that that moment ever, ever went on in Philip's mind about, man, I should have said that. I mean, when, you know, when you get the fishes in the loaves, like, why didn't I think? I mean, he's Jesus. I've seen, I've seen these things before. I don't know, the, the text doesn't tell us, but I can't, I can't help but imagine that these are things that motivated him for the rest of his life to truly trust in the hand of God. School teaches us that change and transition, they're a part of life. You get new adventures, you get new schools, you get new teachers, Right? Some of you guys went off to, to junior high for the first time. Some of you went to high school. Caitlin went back to college. Not back to college. She went to college, right? That's a big deal. I mean, school, school just shows us that these things are going to change. We, we, I mean, my, my daughter's a senior in high school. How'd that happen? I, didn't, I, mean, that's, that wasn't, I mean, I knew it was coming, but that's not my plan. We made a deal a long time ago. Right? She knows it. Yep. She will always be daddy's little girl. Right? She's acting like she can't see me, but we made the deal. It's a binding, it's a binding agreement, and the preacher don't lie. Okay? But, but transition and change are a part of life. They're not, they're not bad things. They don't have to be bad things. It can be good things, wonderful things, joy, joyous things. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 3. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. You know, you know it. I won't sing it, but a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. See, these moments, these moments of transition that can be really hard. They can be really hard. My, my wife was crying an ugly cry on Friday morning when Evie came in for her first senior chapel, right? They can be difficult, but they can also be amazing points. They can be opportunities to have excitement about the future. All of a sudden, my babies are growing up. Isn't that what I wanted all along? Don't you want your little girl to become a woman of God? That's what you want. It can be hard getting there. But that's what I want. And the truth is, if that wasn't happening, then I would have, I would have bigger problems. These times of transition are a part of life. They can be difficult, but they can also be incredible turning points and opportunities. 
I guess all these things coming together as we think about going back to school to say that this is not really about school. I mean, I'm talking about school as a vehicle this morning, but, but really what we're talking about is life. We're talking about life and all of those things that go on in our lives. Those elementary things, those deeper things, those tests that are ever before us, those, those turning points, those transitional points that every one of us face, or at least we hope we get to face. See, they're all leading us somewhere. And they're not leading us to they're not leading us to kindergarten graduation. Well, that's a great thing. Not leading us to high school graduation or college. They're not leading to those places. Even though those are great things. They're leading us. They're leading us to the day that we'll go to be with the Lord. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, when he's talking about how we just live in these tents, right? Even if we were to leave this tent, if we were to leave this tabernacle, we still have hope. He says, He who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. I love that verse. I was getting ready to preach a funeral probably 15 years ago, and I was reading, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. What on earth are we here for? We're here because everything in our life is preparing us for the day that we'll leave this world. Everything that we are, everything that we do, the, p- the places that we go to school, the people that, that we engage with, the time that we spend in, in, in study, the time that we spend in evangelism, everything in our life is preparing us for that moment. I, I want to read Billy Lewis gave me th- this note, and I, I want to I read what, what, what he wrote, if that's okay, Billy, uh, during, the, during the lesson this morning, but this will be in the bulletin later. But I just want you to listen to what he says about Miss Sharon, who passed away this uh, last week. He says, Thank you for all the prayers and the cards that were filled with sympathy and love, the food that was sent our way, allowed us to spend time taking care of her needs. Sharon's body became weaker each day, but her faith grew stronger. Sharon was brought up in the church and lived her whole life for July 30th, around 4 a.m. It was at that very moment that the angels took her by the hand and took her to a special place prepared by our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we can know we will see her again if we will remain faithful in God's Word at the end of our journey. Beautiful words. I love that one line. Sharon lived her whole life for July 30th around 4 a.m. That's the, that's the culmination. That's what we have to understand. With all the things going on in our world, Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 that Gary mentioned during, during the communion this morning, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. Your child might make straight A's, be the smartest student in the entire school. But if they don't know who Jesus Christ is, you have failed them. Your son or your daughter may be the greatest athlete that, that, this, that this world has ever seen. They may go on to make millions of dollars and represent our country at, at, at the most elite levels. But if they're not walking with Jesus Christ, 
then they fail. You can have a beautiful family, picture perfect in every way, but if that family doesn't serve God, it becomes pointless. You can drive the perfect car, you can live in the best neighborhood, you can have all the things that that, that seem to occupy so much of our thoughts, whether about our children or about ourselves, but we tend so much to lose focus about what really matters. I'm not saying don't study hard. Study hard. Grady, the tests are coming, whether you want them to or not, right? Study hard. Practice hard. Win the championship. Hey, have a beautiful family. Take wonderful pictures. Drive, drive your dream car. Live in, the best, live in the best neighborhood. All that's wonderful. But don't do it without Jesus. Don't do it without Jesus. And I can tell you how easy it is in my own life to get so distracted about what really matters. When you make big decisions about your life, maybe even when you make little decisions about your life. Listen, my life is leading towards an end. Everyone's life is leading towards an end. We've taught our children from a very young age, and we strive to live by this. True success is to live your life and go to heaven. And true failure is to live your life and not go to heaven. I don't know a much simpler way to put it than that. I just don't want to lose that, that perspective. Because one day, one day I'm going to go to heaven. And Miss Sharon's going to be there. And my family's going to be there. And my Savior's going to be there. That's what we're working towards. May we keep that firmly in our minds. It's the reason, it's the reason we extend the invitation. I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. But I'm just telling you that Jesus Christ came and He died upon the cross. And if you're in this room this morning and you know that fact, you know that fact, but you have never bowed your knee and been immersed for the remission of your sins, then you need to do that. You need to humble yourself. Listen, if you're in this room this morning and sin is ruling your life, you need to repent of the sin in your life. I'm telling you, I'm not beating you over the head with it. I'm trying to tell you the best news that there ever has been. That there's an opportunity to walk with the Lord. I want to challenge you to be overwhelmed by that. And I want you to be overwhelmed to the point that it brings you the greatest peace that this world could ever offer. The peace that the things of this, of this world cannot, can never offer. But Jesus... Jesus offers to us every day if, if we will only take hold of it. Let's go back to school, back to the Lord. If you have a need this morning, we ask you to come as we stand and as we sing.